0: Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. And today we are welcoming a special guest with us. Her name is Monica Pierce. Welcome, Monica.
1: Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, you are so very welcome. When you joined the Professional Writer Podcast community on Facebook, I knew instantly that I had to invite you to come on as a guest. Monica and I met at a writer's conference a couple of years ago. And very soon after the writer's conference, we started working together. And at that time, I believe you had just relocated from the San Francisco Bay Area to Idaho. Is
1: that right? Yes, that's right. Um, I was born and raised in the Bay Area, in Scotts Valley, where Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference actually is held. And yeah, we met there. And then a few months after that, my husband and I decided to up and move to Idaho. So a lot of things happened in the span of the past few years here. Wow. That in itself is a big change because yes. you have young children as well, don't yes. you? Yes. It was a it was very much kind of our big life change in the in the story of our family.
0: Well, when we met Monica, you had recently started blogging. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And
0: at the time, this two years ago, you were starting to do some strategic planning about how to position your brand for the future. And that included the publication of your first book. And what struck me so much when I first met you? Well, first of all, you, you emailed this to me. You said, I'm the average American working woman, not a rich, big business persona. And then you sent me this extremely organized, bulleted list. Of things that you wanted to work on with me through through coaching with me. And you said, I'd like to learn how to land regular gigs writing for magazines, online newspapers, websites, blogs, et cetera, as well as periodic jobs, ghostwriting for individuals. I just want to become a writer. (laughs) That's true. And that's what this podcast is all about. And that's you're the perfect guest because you've been doing all those things for the last two years.
1: Yes. And, you know, it was funny just in preparing to chat with you today, just taking a moment to step back and reflect on what I've accomplished since I met you and you know you kind of do these things a little bit at a time that's very much I think how this process goes and you rarely there's always so much more to do or so much further you want to be you rarely take a, take time to step back and look at how far you've come so even just for me to sit down and t- make a few notes for myself in preparation for our conversation it was just interesting to see wow I really have accomplished a lot so yeah it's quite a process though.
0: And that's one of the things that Monica and I really want to encourage those of you who are listening with today is that, yes, it is a lot of hard work. If you are really pursuing these things and you're serious about it and you go back and take stock a couple of years down the line, you're going to hopefully have a happy discovery that you've really accomplished a lot and you've made some huge strides forward in developing your writing business. And one of the things that you told me, Monica, in terms of the type of income that you were hoping to glean as a writer was that you wanted to eventually be able to make enough to feed your family and allow you to f- the freedom to work on some of your own projects to hopefully publish a few of your own books over time. And some of those things have been happening and are continuing to happen for you now. You sent me this list of objectives, all all these detailed things you wanted to work on, optimizing your website for search engine optimization, always a really good thing to help people to find you. You wanted to build your following. And I want to spend quite a bit of time talking about this with you today through your mailing list and social media and writing for other outside outlets and you have done a really amazing job with that. You've wanted to do some speaking engagements and all sorts of different things. So I'm so excited to hear what you have to share with us. And coming to fruition is your first book, yes, which was released March 31st in ebook, print and audiobook versions and Monica's book is titled Leaning Out an Alternative Perspective for the Modern Corporate Woman. And oh, that is so exciting because the Leaning Out brand is something that I know you've been working on very hard over the last couple of years to strategically shape that brand message. So let's start by acquainting people with what you mean by the phrase leaning out Sure. and how you've been developing that brand.
1: Sure. It's not a uh, a dietary supplement or strategy like you might find when you first Google it. So the term itself is derived from the concept that the very popular phrase lean in, which is originated from a book by Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg. I want to say six years ago now. I think it was 2013, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And from her book, obviously, it's, you know, number one bestseller. And now there are organizations and so many things in specifically in the corporate world, especially in Silicon Valley, where I obviously come from. um, It's very much the world I live in. It's a very empowering message. Just real quick for listeners who aren't familiar with it, it's really just encouraging women who have the potential and opportunity to achieve professionally, and just really encouraging them to break down a lot of the, you know, the glass ceiling type barriers that women still face. It's a very encouraging message in in and of itself, on its own. But for Someone in my position who I have to always start by saying I'm very fortunate in my position that I was born in a time, in a place where I have had the education and the opportunity to achieve uh, immense professional accomplishments or achievements. And, but I was finding 10, 12 years into my very corporate, lean in type of career through my journey, which is what I write about in the book, the process of becoming a mother and just other priorities in my life. I was finding that the message that again, it's a very pervasive message for women in my age and in my circumstances in corporate America, it's a very one-sided message. Um, so I was finding that I at least felt, um, this obligation to achieve because I knew how fortunate I was to be in the position I was, to have all the opportunity I had. And these messages that were so popular felt like they were coming across as, if you don't you know, capitalize on all this opportunity you're fortunate to have, you're kind of letting down the women and men of past generations who fought for you to have these opportunities. And for someone like me, as I slowly began to realize I have the chance to be, you know, corner office COO, CEO if I wanted to, which is great to have those opportunities, but I was realizing I don't really want that just again it's just not in the cards for me personally I was realizing It it was just that message was very hard to continue hearing. And I was realizing, like you said, I began blogging about this, again, just mostly personal kind of therapeutic writing. Um, And I really started to realize that I think a lot of women in my position feel this way. And again, it's, it's one of those things, it's like, it's a nice problem to have, right? We're very fortunate and we know that, but It's also what my message is and the book is about is I want women who find themselves in a position like mine to know it's okay to not, you know, go after that promotion or that big career if it's not what you actually want. And that's the big caveat that I think is missing in the mainstream message of kind of the main lean in uh, directive, if you will. So were you the
0: person who is responsible for coining the phrase lean out? Or <laughs> had that, that already been in use by some people and you just kind of popularized it?
1: It is in use. I wanted to make sure to mention this as part of my writer-author experience because, interestingly, further down the road, I was in the process with an agent pitching this book called originally called Lean Out, literally not Leaning Out yet. It was originally Lean Out. Um, and we discovered that someone else was coming out with a book by the exact same title. Uh-huh. Um, and she was months ahead of me uh, because I had done my due diligence. I had my book proposal. I had my agent and we were just beginning to pitch it. I had my competitive analysis and my proposal. I had researched you know, the market and there were a few others with similar concepts out there, but nothing very popular. And I had not obviously seen this book. And it basically came into pre-release, I guess, pre-publication during the time that my agent and I were little, literally began pitching this book. So that was kind of one of my major uh, challenges on this on this road. That is a big challenge. And, yeah. and, and that happens
0: with a lot of authors too, where yeah. you do, like you said, you do your due diligence and you do your research and you research the market to see what the competitive titles are. Right out there, but you don't know about those ones that are already in production. And then,
1: oh, that's, that's unfortunate. It was, it was very disheartening. And just the way that it happened, Laura, like literally my agent, we started, you know, she started reaching out to, um, to editors and acquisition editors. And literally we found out by one of them replying and having had just Googled it and said, Hey, this is odd. There's a book coming out Uh that looks very similar to the one you're pitching to me. And that's how we found out. So it was very it was very discouraging, obviously. So I did obviously a lot more research. This other title called Lean Out, more focused on the system, kind of the corporate environment, and just the the ecosystem as a whole. What I realized talking with mentors and other authors, uh, you know, is this is a very not very, but it, it happens a lot. How many books are out there on topic X? Right there, there can be more than one book on one topic, and I think. For me, at that point, when this happened, I had built my social media, like everything I had built was called lean out. So I had this very challenging question of, do I scrap everything I've built so far from a branding perspective and just completely rename this thing? And obviously, I decided not to. I tweaked it a little from lean in or sorry, from lean out to leaning out, Mm -hmm. um, which I actually like as kind of an active verb anyway. But yeah, so it, it really sounds
0: less uh, it sounds less prescriptive in that exactly, you're exactly that. Here's what idea. I want you to and do. And you're like, we're in the process of mm-hmm, doing
1: that. I'm leaning, yeah. And oh. my story is, you know, as as a contrast to this other author's book, mine is more of a personal journey that I'm just sharing with others who might be interested. And it's more about um others as individuals, whereas hers is, and I actually, I speak about her book in my book, because I'm speaking about kind of this as a movement, you know, the Mm -hmm. leaning out, like you said, is this a a phrase that is coined? And I think it it is becoming one because so many women like me and this other author are beginning to speak about it. And it's really kind of an alternative perspective. It's a movement that I think others are getting behind. But I do think it's kind of um, a bigger concept that's bigger than one particular book or one particular author at this time. So that's yeah. that's where I landed, at least, from the terminology perspective. And, yeah. and that's so helpful to hear that, Monica,
0: because what I hear you saying here is that as you and your agent were pitching this title around to traditional publishing houses, mm-hmm. you discovered, unfortunately, that you were going to have to take a fairly major pivot with your brand and with your brand messaging. And so you discovered as you were doing that, that there can be more than one book on a particular topic. And so you continued with your same essential brand, the Mm -hmm. same core brand, but what you did was you discovered what makes me unique, what makes me different, what's my superpower, what's my secret sauce, whatever you want to call it. And so you have, have pivoted toward making your take on the Leaning Out brand as more of a personal journey as opposed to what this other writer is doing with the more corporate systematic type approach. So that's good. I think that's great for people to hear when they need to take a pivot like that, Mm -hmm. when there are competitive titles out there, is what approach can I take that feels comfortable for me, Mm -hmm. that my readers are clamoring for, and that's sellable in the market. Yeah, and it's
1: unique to you, right? and There's always a little slice that you can find that's still special to what you're bringing to the table, Yeah.
0: So I know you've done a lot of writing for, you've done some writing for magazines, you've done some podcast guesting, you've done a lot, I've seen you a lot on Instagram, mm-hmm. and you've been working really hard over the last couple of years to develop your audience and your readers. And these are the people who are probably giving you a lot of the feedback that has ended up in your book. I'm just right. guessing. Yes. So no, you're tell right. us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about this journey journey towards publication of the book? And what are some of the things that you have done that you have felt have been really effective uses of your time? Mm -hmm. And maybe there are some things that you've done that just fell flat and didn't really work for you.
1: Sure. I'll kind of start by highlighting the high-level timeline um, and then try to answer some of those, those powerful questions. So You know, like I mentioned, I really started just blogging on this topic more just for my personal therapeutic writing uh, in, in the beginning of 2018. And, you know, the more I wrote about it, I had mostly, you know, family and folks like that reading it. But I started getting some feedback. And eventually just realized there could be something to this, but so it really just happened organically. I didn't set out to say, I need to write a book and forced fit into that. What am I going to write about? It really happened organically, which I think as a writer is probably ideal, right? That doesn't usually happen or it doesn't always happen, I should say, but it was definitely, I'd say easier to write because I was doing it because I knew there was an audience for it. There was a need for it. So really, yeah, it started with blogging and then in parallel, I'd say, and this is kind of the piece that you also know about, Laura, I was I was also learning about the writing industry, you know, just the mm-hmm. book and publishing industry as well. Because again, I come from corporate America, I'm a project manager, which in many ways has also come in handy, but I knew yes. nothing about the publishing industry, which is a huge uh, learning curve. So. As I was just feeling out my message, just doing my own writing, I was also learning about all of that in parallel and doing things like going to the writers conference where I met folks like yourself and really just each new stepping stone or kind of thread that presented itself to me, I kind of took a little bit further to kind of learn more about that track and learn more about that track, you know, work on writing and just my writing skills because I'm not a professional writer. Well, I wasn't a professional writer. So it was kind of multiple work streams or efforts in parallel. And and yeah, so it really just evolved naturally from the blog. Like you said, I began utilizing social media. I think as a writer, it's always important to think about where your audience is. And for me, I'm obviously with this specific message, I'm speaking to women who work most likely full-time, most likely in the corporate world specifically, again, due to the nature of this specific message. So where are those people? And I think social media is a big one. Um, So I just started learning about what's becoming micro-blogging. And actually, if you look, my blog itself, the original WordPress blog, I don't really use anymore. I still have it up because the content is kind of evergreen, and I, I like having it there. But I'm now using my social media platforms to do microblogging, and, you know, it's just much more, um, it fits for my audience, it fits for my message to just share snippets of things I'm experiencing. Um, obviously, with coronavirus, what does that mean for working mothers and posting, you know, real time kind of thoughts and, and feelings and perspectives on things like that. So I found social media to just be a better avenue for my specific message to reach my audience. So um, let's let's take yeah. a step
0: back for just a sec and define micro blogging for people sure. who aren't familiar with that term. You know, I'm familiar with it because so I've used it for years too, but a lot of people don't know what that is. And I would define that as well, it's micro as in just a very, very short. small short form way mm-hmm. of blogging. And so what I from the perspective of your reader, what I notice you doing, for example, on your Instagram feed, in terms of micro blogging, your captions are lengthy. They're thorough. They're like a mini blog post. Is that how
1: you would define micro blogging? Yes. Yes. It's it's almost the same thing I would have written in maybe 2,000 words on a blog, but cut down to, I don't know, 500 words in a Mm -hmm. social media post instead. I actually will often take an idea or a message that I posted about on social media and I repackage it on Mm -hmm. my email list, right? I send it out as an email as well. I think there's some different things to consider there, like how much of your audience is overlapped in both, you know, following you on social media and, you know, receiving on your email list. But there's, I
0: think a lot of people might be surprised that there's really not a huge amount of overlap. Yeah, I don't think among there is. That's why. media followers and email followers, exactly. So I, oftentimes, you can get away with repackaging. Right, right. And <laughs> I, I do. You know, too. I
1: try to repackage it to make it substantially enough different that if someone does happen to receive multiple channels of. Uh, information from me, it's still valuable. So. And usually they don't, if they're subscribing
0: to, let's say they're following you on Instagram and Facebook and, and they also subscribe to your email list. They're one of your super fans. Usually yes. they don't yes. mind if they see again. the
1: same <laughs> thing twice. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so microblogging again is for me, it's more effective for who my audience is and how they like to receive their information. They don't, Plan to sit and read a blog post, and I can also reach them more easily, more quickly, and reach new audience members through social media uh, rather than trying to kind of market a blog in the more traditional ways. Yeah.
0: So, tell me about which social media platforms you've been using that you've been finding the most effective for your brand. And it's going to be different for everybody, but for your sure. uh, leaning out brand. And then, I also am interested in with this microblogging thing you've been doing is what type of engagement or response are you seeing from yeah. those lengthier posts on right. social media?
1: So Facebook obviously is the biggie. I think you know there's a lot of material out there that you can read to tell you about the ideals behind which platforms and who they're best for. But again, for me, it just came down to who my audience is and where I think they are, which for me is fairly easy because I am my audience, right? Mm-hmm. So I know where I go or what I, where I would be. Uh, so Facebook is a biggie. I just created a page, and I just shared that with my personal Facebook page, let people know. So at first I had a couple hundred of my personal friends there, and then, you know, I did a, an article in Working Mother magazine that linked to my um, my social pages. So that's how I got additional followers there. Instagram actually has been my bigger following though. So I think there's just more dynamic ways to find new people with Instagram, just with the way that you use hashtags, stories. So I actually knew nothing about Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of on the cusp of people call me a millennial, but I'm not techie. So I was very much in the Facebook generation. I never would have probably even gotten on Instagram, but I, I knew that there were people there to reach. So I learned a lot about it. And I, you know, you're question about the engagement, I saw a lot of engagement there. And it's interesting to talk about the lean out message specifically again for a second is it's kind of not a contentious topic, but I've found that people who don't relate to it have a hard time understanding what we're trying to say. So, early on with social media, I kind of learned that the hard way. I had mm-hmm. a lot of people who thought I was, you know, an anti-feminist because I was oh, yes. to go home and be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. <laughs> and that was not at all what I was trying to say. So I I learned the hard way. Some of those things, I had to be more sensitive on social media, but at the same time, I also knew I was kind of onto something because I had ruffled yeah. some feathers and I, you know, I started getting direct messages through the, through Instagram strangers messaging me and saying things like, I love your message. I love what you're talking about. A lot of like messages of thanks, which I actually also write about in the book is this shouldn't be like some Herculean effort. We should be, you know, I'm glad to be one of the early people maybe speaking up about this alternative perspective, but I want it to become not such something we have to hide. So the fact that so many women were thanking me for speaking up like that told me that I had to keep going. And I hope that it enables other women specifically who feel this way to not feel guilty for it. So again, I just like I said, I started out trying Instagram and I just saw the engagement right away and I knew I was on to something. So I really just that's when I really doubled down on like the micro blogging. Like we said, I stopped doing the long form on the blog itself and I really devoted myself to social media because I could tell that for my audience was was most engaged.
0: Okay. So that that was another pivot you made. Mm-hmm. You, pivoted, sure. you pivoted from, first of all, the pitching of the the first book, and then you made a pivot as you were working on your social media to right. go from blogging to more of a micro blogging. So mm-hmm. it's all based on knowing who your audience is and finding where they hang out and discovering the best ways that you can serve them exactly. over the long haul. Mm-hmm. And your topic is extremely timely for this period that that we're living through yeah. right now. And whenever you have a topic like that, that can be somewhat controversial, be aware that you are going to do some feather ruffling. As yes. you said. <laughs> and so as a writer, you kind of have to develop a thick skin. Oh you my gosh. need to expect, oh boy, lots of <laughs> criticism, lots of people telling you that you're doing it the wrong way, lots of people hating you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have that start developing that thick skin so that you can you can keep moving forward and saying well yeah like you were saying Monica there were people that put you down and didn't like your message those are not going to be the people who are going exactly. to be buying your book anyway exactly. but those ones who are sending you the emails thanking you for what you're doing there's tons of them too so yep. Keep those at the forefront of your mind. Those are your primary ideal target reader. Those are the people that you can continue to reach with your message, and then they'll help you spread the message also through their own spheres of influence.
1: This is just a personal anecdote, but I think it's fun to share. I, I have a book launch team of about 50 of uh, who are those devoted fans. So they are people from my social media, from my email list who signed up and said, yes, I'll get an early copy of your book. And then in turn, I'll be willing to share a review on Amazon mainly. And I had this beautiful email from one of them. The email is just so validating, honestly, as as a writer, because she just says, thank you for this. It's more of some of those messages I mentioned earlier. But I literally, Laura, I printed out the email and I taped it on my refrigerator Uh because I need that reminder um, because I do easily... I think everyone tends to we hyper focus on the two, you know, bad pieces of feedback. We forget about the hundreds of positive ones. Right. So it's important to remember what you're doing and who you're doing it for. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I actually have a file folder.
0: Uh, oh, you could. <laughs> I have a file folder on my computer, and then I also have a, a physical file folder, nice. and I call it the encouragement file. Yes, we need and that. And whenever somebody sends me an email that just brightens my day, yeah. I. Keep it. I save yes. it because you need those because exactly. you get lots of negative feedback when you're <laughs> in business in the right yes. business. So let's I want to talk. You mentioned that Working Mother magazine a few minutes ago. Right. And I want to follow up with that because that is some of the Freelance writing or outside yeah. writing that you have intentionally been working on in order to build your leaning out brand. So, tell me how you. What did you do? Did you pitch to them, or I mean, that's a hard <laughs> yes. magazine to break into. <laughs> yes. I wrote a couple of articles for them back in the day. I and remember you a,
1: telling me that? Yeah, that's
0: a very difficult magazine to break into, and it's for those of you who aren't familiar with Working Mother. It's a a national magazine uh, with a very large circulation.
1: In the fall of 2018, you know, I really had just picked up the social media activity. I had um, the agent I was working with, and we had not begun pitching until, you know, the following spring 2019. But she was kind of giving me some coaching on building that platform, you know, the P word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was doing some of my social media development. And she said, you know, you got to get big bang article out there. And I actually had reached out to I actually, it's strange. It wasn't too hard. I found just the editor of working mother magazine and their contact info is on their website. And I had reached out to her months earlier, actually. And she had, I got an out of office reply that she was on maternity leave, which I thought was so apropos. Um, But this came up again. Right. Exactly. Came up again (laughs) with my agent now. So I reached out again and I basically did pitch her pretty comprehensive Concept. If not, I might have had a draft. I don't remember for sure. But I had enough to show her through my blog post and my social media that she was interested. And she responded and she's like, Yeah, let's, that's great. Let's put something together. So that came out in December of 2018. And again, you know, you get the byline. So I think that led more people mm-hmm. to my social media. It's just kind of a positive snowball effect. That was a good step in that direction. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple times, Laura, it's probably worth adding from a writer career perspective, my goal with this one book has always been twofold is to share this specific message that I feel so passionately about with other women. But I'm also, as you mentioned, I'm really trying to become a full time professional freelance writer. Mm -hmm. So this book is really my first foray or my first piece in my portfolio to say, Hey, look, I'm a writer. So I have a lot writing on it from that perspective as well. So everything I've done has been with that much more scrutiny in terms of quality of the writing and the book itself. So working mother article also just lended that much more credibility as a freelance mm-hmm. writer. Yeah. It goes both way, having been published
0: in a major magazine lends credibility toward your book, Mm -hmm. and then your book, the fact that you have a book out lends credibility toward additional freelance writing that you want to do. So it definitely goes both ways. Then moving on into the book publication process itself. So you said that you had... You have an agent and this person had pitched your book around. You had to do a major pivot there because there was competition. You ultimately decided to self-publish this book. So tell us about how you came to that decision, because that's a pretty big pivot again, and how you're feeling about that as you've gone through the self-publishing process.
1: I will say up front I didn't choose to self-publish. I had to self-publish because I couldn't get a book contract, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the high, the high level summary of the story. Um. So yes, I had an agent who saw a lot of promise in my concept. Like I said, she helped me work towards building that platform. We started pitching in, say March or so of 2019. That other book, the similar book came out, but it was, very, so we pitched to, you know, a dozen or so um, different imprints um, very strategically, given my message and who my audience was. Uh, the agent, she was wonderful. Um, and the feedback was, it was very hard to hear, but it was, at the same time, it was was even more encouraging because it was really positive flora it was this message is very interesting and we like her writing and those Mm -hmm. were the those are the two biggies right sometimes it's like one or the other but because it's one and not the other we're going to pass but it was both but it was this darn the p word as i call it the darn platform which everyone you know anyone listening who's been trying to get a contract has probably heard it you know it's that platform that um i think traditional houses are are much more um, you know, risk averse, or what have you, from what I'm hearing. I'm new to the publishing world, but everything I read and hear shows that that's kind of the trend, right? So I, I could understand, you know, I don't have a big um, ready to sell kind of platform, but I knew that I could get my book out there kind of with my business hat, my project manager hat on. I knew that there's Working Mother Magazine. That's a very, condensed pool of my audience i know yes. how to reach them and i knew i knew that i could so yes i didn't have the numbers it's kind of a chicken or the egg when you talk about a platform right so it i was ultimately it was a good thing because the feedback again from these traditional houses was very positive i knew i was onto something and it really just again this was a long process it just gave me what i needed at that time to keep going But I I did not get a contract and my agent was wonderful, but she was like, Yeah, you might you probably need to self-publish. Okay, so cue the next big pivot. And I started researching about self-publishing. And by that time I had, you know, networked with some local Idaho professional author organizations here and met some other friends and mentors and kind of picked their brains, some of them traditionally published and self-published. So I started learning that whole new world and honestly, now that that's what I'm doing, I, um, I'm really happy that I did because in this world now it's very feasible to self-publish, right? Yes. And as someone, again, with the tech knowledge, you know, I work in IT so I can understand how to get myself on all the the retail platforms. Like I can get all the files formatted. I can do all of the nitty gritty. I can do the project management of making sure all the pieces come together. And I'm also, as people can probably tell by now, I'm a bit of a control freak. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I could control my content and my message, which is my baby, like I think is the case for many authors. So being able to have that, once I started thinking, you know, I made that pivot and I started thinking about self-publishing, it was like, why wouldn't I do it this way? And I got connected with a hybrid publisher and that was, I still would probably butcher it if I tried to explain what that is, but they were basically you know what they were they were very interested in working with me which was again very flattering and encouraging and i couldn't really see the value though at that point because i knew my audience was working women who i knew i needed to be on amazon and the major ebook retailers i needed to have an audiobook because like again i am my audience i knew i listen to audiobooks all the time when i'm commuting 2 hours a day in the bay area um, so i knew i needed an audiobook but i had already figured out how i could do all that by myself so i didn't see the value the hybrid publisher was pitching to me was like kind of some mass prints and like um you know retail um brick and mortar distribution. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't see my reader going into a bookshop to peruse for a book. And I know that's kind of the big linchpin on self-publishing is it's very hard still to get your book into a brick and mortar store. But for me, I was fine with that because my reader isn't going into, you know, Barnes and Noble, maybe online. Yeah, but not into the stores. So I really came to peace with that very easily. And I'm fine with my book never being in a store. I had that hybrid publisher option and I kind of said, no, I don't really need that either. And then the last piece or the other anecdote I thought I'd share just as it relates to, you know, the platform hurdle, the audience being able to sell your book. And we also talked about Working Mother. So I had that relationship with the team at Working Mother. I just learned about, you know, I'm looking at all the different ways I can market my book myself, of course, and I can pay, and I am doing this, I can pay a few thousand dollars to Working Mother, and they send out an email blast that I write a copy, I can provide my images and my links, and I'm building it with their digital marketing team, and they're sending an email blast, and they have, guess how many, they have 100,000 subscribers on their email list. So I'm thinking, like to those traditional publishers who said, "Oh, but you don't have the platform." I'm like, I can buy the platform for a couple thousand dollars with a good ROI on oh, that. That's
0: such a good point because right. I'll, I'll, what I'll, what some traditional publishers will do in assisting you with the marketing is they'll say, well, we'll purchase an ad in XYZ magazine, which oftentimes tends to be a trade magazine for the publishing industry. Mm -hmm. Well, Monica, your audience is not reading that magazine. Let's just say they're reading Working Mother. (laughs) So yeah, so spending that money or reallocating that money from, say, a hybrid publisher to directly purchasing Promoted eBlast yep. in a major magazine that has a distribution of 100,000 people on their email right. list. That is amazing. And that's I think great that value.
1: Yeah. And I think it's very doable for someone like me because, again, this whole time I've really been able to know where my audience is. And obviously, that's a big condensed pool of audience members. So that's why I think that's so doable for me. But yeah that's really been my journey and like I said the self-publishing process has been a whole new world to learn but I really, ha- you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I've really enjoyed hiring a videographer to help me make a book trailer and all the, the editors that I've worked with at every little piece of the process. It's, it's been, again, another reason why it worked for me because my personality and my skill set, at least, I understand why some people, they just don't want to do that or they don't have the time, right? So it might not be right for everybody, but for me, it just made a lot of sense and it worked really well. So yeah. you're you're doing the whole
0: thing yourself and yet it sounds like I hear you saying you're also outsourcing oh, yeah. help in appropriate areas. <laughs> You've got a, a videographer, um you're doing some marketing me, through you said you hired editors too. Tell oh, yeah. a little bit so, about that.
1: Let me think through it kind of, you know, sequen- sequentially somewhat. So Obviously I wrote my manuscript and then I had, I think three different editors, you know, developmental editor, I had a line editor, and then um, I worked with a company called Gatekeeper Press, who I highly recommend. And they did a number of things in conjunction with me. uh, The last piece there being just kind of final copy editing and proofreading, but they also helped me get my copyright and um, ISBNs and again, things that I wanted to make sure were done correctly. But again, now that I've been through it, I can maybe do myself next time. But I hired them to kind of help me through those pieces of the process. And then, yeah, of course I did a cover designer. I paid a cover designer. And um, again, I think if I was traditionally published, I wouldn't have been able to be so close to that. I got to work directly with the cover designer and exactly what I wanted. Months before all this, I had, yes, I hired a videographer and a photographer and we did a photo shoot. My family, actually, we made a book trailer and then I also got a lot of images is one I ended up using for the book cover. So that all kind of funneled into the process and cover design. And then that cover designer I also worked with, I bought a number of kind of marketing images, stills of the book to use in different places and ads and whatnot. And there's the retail accounts. So Ingram Spark, having my account set up there, I had to do all that. And you pay a fee for some of those just to set all those up. Yeah, those are the biggies. And then of course, marketing is a whole nother piece of the process. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely costs there. Like like I mentioned, the working mother email ad if you choose to invest in things like that. So yeah, but again, this is kind of my forte managing a project like this. (laughs) And I enjoy it.
0: Oh, that's helpful to hear that, Monica. So I'm just going to recap. I was taking notes as you were talking. Some of the the big picture things that you've done that you have invested time and money in you started by, I know you hired me at yes, early on. you were one of my very first <laughs> professionals, I
1: heard.
0: Some high-level branding assistants. Right. yeah. And, and you went to a writer's conference, so that's a mm-hmm. big investment where you learned the ropes. You are yeah. learning to sharpen your skills as a writer. You have hired uh, three different types of editors, and I'm going to put the link to, I think you said it was Gatekeeper Press? All yes. All the the Yeah, Uh, we'll get the link from you and we'll put that in the show notes.
1: They've been great. And
0: you hired a videographer to help you create a trailer, video trailer for your book. You have a cover designer, a photographer, marketing images, retail accounts, and then marketing e-blast. So those are just some of Mm -hmm. the major things that you have invested in. So I'm just taking a wild guess here that self-publishing a book, it can be really inexpensive, but the way you're going about it, Seems as if you have invested probably a significant amount of money. I haven't,
1: I have. And I'm glad that you said it can be expensive, Laura, right? Because I think that's the beauty of the whole platform, you know, with Amazon, with KDP. You can, if you want to publish, you know, a short story just on ebook, you can do it fairly inexpensively, right? There's a whole spectrum that you can um, run for the cost and investment of a project like this and mine I would go back to if you remember how I was saying the quality of this book both the writing and obviously the editing along with that and and the cover and all of this is important for me because I love to begin ghostwriting uh, for you know executives and influencers of the sort mm. so I want this will be like my best biggest business card I can put out there and yeah. say hey here's what <laughs> I, I wrote you know so it has yeah. to be quality so I'm really investing in it not just for a return on the sales of this particular book, but my ability to land jobs as a ghostwriter and be able to use this book as an example.
0: That is so good. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. So so you are looking at writing as a career. This is an investment in your exactly. writing career, because this you're not a one book wonder. This is kind of the The jumping off point for you. And now you're looking at, okay, how can I take what I've done with this super high quality, the best I can absolutely make it that I have done in this book and in this product that you've created Mm -hmm. and use that as a launching point for your ghostwriting Career for executives, which is a very different type of writing. Yes. But it's related. <laughs> it is somewhat related yes. to what you've been doing. And they and like you said, it's a giant business card mm-hmm. <laughs> that just exactly. on giving. <laughs> yep. Yep. Where can my listeners find out more about your book, Leaning Out? Uh, where can they buy it online? And what's the best place for people to reach you online?
1: Sure. I think the best place because you can get anywhere else from there is just my website, my author website. It's Monica E, E for Aaron Pierce. From there, you can get to my old lean out blog or my uh, ghostwriting professional services page, um, as well as links to buy the book and watch the book trailer. So you can find pretty much everything from Monica Pierce.com, but the book is available as we mentioned, you know, on Amazon and the major global online retailers. Oh, well, Monica, this was such a,
0: an amazing learning experience just for me, and I'm sure it has been for our listeners, too. So thank you so much thank for you, coming Laura. on the show. Yeah. Listeners, I invite you to check out today's show notes at bloggingbistro.com. You'll see a link there to join the Professional Writer Podcast community on Facebook, and Monica is a member of our community, so you can join and meet her up close and in person, virtually speaking anyway. The Facebook group is the place where we continue the conversation about each episode. Thanks again so much for joining Monica and me today for the Professional Writer Podcast. Talk with you again next week.